Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, March 29th. Coming up today... UBS shares rally as the bank brings back Sergio Armati as CEO. It's day two of bank hearings on Capitol Hill. A debt ceiling showdown. President Biden and Speaker McCarthy exchange demands. And calls for tighter gun control follow the Nashville school shooting. There's a rise in anti-Semitic incidents in New York and New Jersey. Plus, Ukraine's president says he has invited the leader of China to his country. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash. Aaron Sports. The Rangers stay hot with a win over Columbus at the Garden, where the Knicks tonight play Miami. The Nets host Houston. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with a changing of the guard at UBS. The bank is bringing back a familiar face. Sergio Ermati is returning as CEO to oversee the acquisition of Credit Suisse. We get more from Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix. Sergio Armati has been considered maybe one of the most talented bankers of his generation. He knows UBS intimately. He was chief executive there for nine years. And actually the task of putting these two huge, systemically important banks together and selling off Credit Suisse, you know, very fast in terms of what they want to keep in terms of strategy is not something that's going to be easily done. They want to make sure that they get the strategy right. They, I guess, recognize, and maybe this comes from the chairman, how big the task is. And Sergio Armati knows UBS intimately. And because Credit Suisse was his biggest rival, maybe also he has insight into how to unwind parts of the investment bank that will be the hardest. Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix says Armadi will replace Ralph Hammers, who's been running UBS for just over two years. And right now, shares of UBS are higher by nearly 2% this morning. And Nathan, we're already hearing from the incoming CEO. Sergio Armadi spoke at a news conference this morning in Zurich. You have my word and commitment that I... Together with my team, we will work and do everything that it takes to make this transaction successful. Sergio Armati says he'll work hard to make sure the tie-up avoids negative consequences for Swiss taxpayers. Well, back here in the U.S., Karen, we're getting ready for day two of bank hearings on Capitol Hill. And we get the latest live with Bloomberg Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. If yesterday's hearing in the Senate is an indicator, officials can expect another grilling in the House about recent failures like the implosion of Silicon Valley Bank. Fed Vice Chair Michael Barr says members are considering stronger bank rules, but also blamed SVB executives for the mess. SVB failed because the bank's management did not effectively manage its interest rate and liquidity risk. Banking Committee Chairman Sherrod Brown says the Fed's predecessors also bear responsibility. They greenlighted those banks to grow and grow and grow too big, too fast. Ranking Republican Tim Scott blasted regulators, saying they appear to have been asleep at the wheel. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak.
All right, Steve, thanks. Well, Jamie Dimon's in the news this morning. Sources tell us the J.P. Morgan CEO will be questioned over his bank's ties to Jeffrey Epstein. We get the details live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. And Karen Diamond will have to sit for a deposition and answer questions over his bank's ties to the accused sex trafficker. Epstein was a J.P. Morgan client for five years after he pleaded guilty to soliciting a minor for prostitution. Two lawsuits claim J.P. Morgan benefited from human trafficking and ignored internal warnings about its client's behavior. J.P. Morgan lawyers argued Diamond had no involvement in decisions about Epstein's accounts. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, John. The debt ceiling is back in focus at the White House. President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are going back and forth with demands for negotiations. Amy Morris has the details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. McCarthy demanded the president begin negotiations over the debt ceiling with a list of spending cuts and regulatory changes. The president responded with a challenge for Republicans to propose a budget before the Easter recess. In a letter to McCarthy posted online by the White House, the president says the GOP plan could help them lay the framework for a conversation in April. Republicans have already said they'd miss their mid-April deadline. Biden indicated there would be little to discuss if Republicans don't release a full budget. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thanks. Well, there's also news on the investigation into the January 6th insurrection. Former Vice President Mike Pence has now been ordered to testify before a grand jury looking into the event. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Mr. Pence had been subpoenaed by special counsel Jack Smith earlier in the year. Pence using the novel argument that he was acting as a legislative officer and that separation of powers would prevent that subpoena from being enforced. Pence has said that it runs against literally hundreds of years of not only American law, but common law, and that he would argue all the way to the Supreme Court. Well, he may have a chance to do that now. This order is from a U.S. district court. Neither side has commented. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Ed. And the fallout from this week's shooting in Nashville continues. President Biden is now looking for momentum on gun legislation. He says he intends to expose lawmakers who stand in the way. The president says the Second Amendment is not absolute. You can't own a bazooka. You can't. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, there, there's nothing absolute about any amendment. And this is ridiculous. It's all about money. Big, big, big money. New gun restrictions are not likely to pass a Republican-controlled Congress. In the interest of transparency, we should note that Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent of Bloomberg Radio, donates to groups that support gun control. It is 41 degrees in New York. It'll be mostly sunny today, headed to the low 50s. Could see some showers this evening as we get down to the low 30s. Time now to look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we turn to Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The NYPD is looking for two suspects who drew anti-Semitic symbols on a building in New York City. Police say the suspects approached the building in the Civic Center in Lower Manhattan and drew three anti-Semitic symbols on the window with red paint before fleeing. The incident comes as the Anti-Defamation League's Oren Siegel says anti-Semitic incidents nationwide were up last year. We documented 3,697 anti-Semitic incidents in 2022, which is not only a 36% increase from the previous year, but the highest number of incidents reported to ADL since 1979. Oren Siegel with the Anti-Defamation League says visibly Orthodox Jews were targeted in more than half of all assault incidents nationwide.
Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is warning that his nation must win a drawn-out battle in the key eastern city of Bakhmut. Zelensky says otherwise Russia could begin building international support for a deal that could require Ukraine to make unacceptable compromises. Zelensky speaking with the Associated Press says that if Russia takes Bakhmut, Putin would sell this victory to the West as well as China and Iran. Zelensky also invited the leader of China to visit Ukraine. I want to speak with him because I have con I had contact with him before full-scale war. China has long been aligned with Russia and has taken a position of neutrality in the war. President Zelensky says he's also concerned the war could be impacted by shifting political forces in Washington. He says if the U.S. stops helping the U.S., uh, stops helping us, we will not win. Police say a New York driver of a tractor trailer that hit a van alongside an interstate in East Tennessee killing four people who were changing a tire and critically injuring another was impaired. Kingsport police say the driver, 60-year-old Sal Carrera, was driving a tractor-trailer south on Interstate 81 Sunday when the vehicle veered to the right onto the shoulder and sideswiped the van hitting five males who were trying to repair the tire. Afterward, the tractor-trailer continued south for a short distance before jackknifing and overturning. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Looks like the Rangers are going to play the Devils to start the Stanley Cup playoffs. They are battling to see who will have home ice, although the Rangers have a slightly better road record than at home, and the Devils' road record is significantly better. Rangers two points behind after a 6-2 win over Columbus. Six different goal scorers. The Blue Shirts were up 3-0, only eight minutes in. At the Garden tonight, it's the Knicks and the Heat, and the Nets will be rooting for the Knicks. Brooklyn's in a battle with Miami to finish sixth in the East. That's significant. It means avoiding being in the play-in. The Heat just lost at Toronto. They're a half game behind the Nets, who tonight host Houston. Big names named for induction to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, and Parker's coach in San Antonio, Greg Popovich. The NIT no longer finishing at the Garden like it did every year, but one since 1938 in Vegas. Two-point semifinal wins for Alabama, Birmingham, and North Texas. So the final has two teams from Conference USA. That's the same league that also has Florida Atlantic, who's in the NCAA Final Four. Baseball season begins tomorrow with a pitch clock. The commissioner is Rob Manfred. It's still a game with no clock in the sense that the end of the game isn't determined by any timing. Um, the game ends naturally, just like it always has, and I see the pitch timer as sort of a small change to move things along. The times for spring training games were down. Mets open in Miami. The Yankees host the Giants. The Indianapolis Colts believed to be the only NFL team making any attempt to acquire Lamar Jackson from Baltimore. The quarterback has asked for a trade. On Stash Hour Bloomberg Sports. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager on a morning where the new boss is the same as the old boss at UBS. The Swiss Mega Bank is bringing back Sergio Armati to uh, take the helm as CEO and navigate the complicated takeover of longtime UBS rival Credit Suisse. For more on what this means for the future of Swiss banking and the financial sector as a whole, we are very pleased to be joined this morning by Paul Davies, who writes about global banking for Bloomberg Opinion. Paul, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Should we see this as a steady hand returning to navigate UBS? I think we should see this as, you know, UBS solving uh, a bunch of problems at once. I mean, what it really needs is it's got this hugely complicated integration to now do. Sergio Amotti, the returning chief executive, you know, has a huge amount of experience in in restructuring UBS's own investment bank, you know, um, after the last financial crisis in 2008. And at the same time, there's a lot of kind of, there's cultural issues within the bank where you need a kind of, uh, you know, a much more kind of statesman-like leader who can kind of win uh, the confidence of, of all of the people that work for UBS and those at Credit Suisse that UBS wants to keep. And there's also this, you know, the relation with the government and other authorities in Switzerland, and really the Swiss populace is going to be pretty important here as well, because this deal creates a huge bank in Switzerland, and there are these kind of outstanding, you know, government guarantees that were put in place to sort of support the takeover that um, that taxpayers will want to see, you know, protected as much as possible. And clearly, uh, Armadi has a deep history with UBS, and with the restructuring at the investment bank, what could that mean for the investment bank at Credit Suisse? There had been a lot of talk about that portion of the uh, Credit Suisse business getting unwound completely. Yeah, well, they've been quite clear that they're going to reduce the risk of that business dramatically, reduce uh, what it does and, and and how it does it as well. It's it's still very unclear exactly what they're going to get rid of. You know, the kind of the uh, anecdotally, the, the conversations seem to be around, you know, they want to keep a lot of the, um, you know, M&A and maybe kind of capital markets bankers, particularly in areas where the UBS itself has less expertise. So in the US, in some of the, um, you know, you know the more fashionable sectors like tech and pharmaceuticals and te- and uh, technology, um, uh, healthcare rather, and uh, and then in some of the other areas as well, like leverage finance, which was a great you know strength of Credit Suisse. UBS might also keep uh, some of those people and some of that business, but a lot of the markets business, particularly on the fixed income side, uh, which is you know trading of you know rates, products, government bonds, a, a lot of that you know very large you know balance sheet intensive uh, flow business that UBS itself got out of uh, for the most part you know a decade ago a lot of that will be cut and that's that's a huge portion of of what um, uh, of some of the business that Credit Suisse still had. It was interesting as well to hear from the uh, chairman at UBS Colm Kelleher during the news conference saying that there was a concern about keeping a bad culture from Credit Suisse from being imported into UBS under Ermati's tenure. How big a concern is that that the problems that uh, Credit Suisse uh, and what led to its collapse could bleed over into UBS? Yeah, well, this is something they're going to have to be very, you know, careful of. You know, Credit Suisse had a lot of problems. It had a lot of, you know, it's kind of its its risk management side and its compliance side, I guess, were sort of, you know, whittled down under the pressure of cost cutting. You know, this is one of the things that we learned from the, the very long and interesting report that was re- released by uh, lawyers that Credit Suisse hired to look into how exactly it lost, you know, more than $5 billion on the collapse of Archegos, the kind of the family office uh, come hedge fund that sort of failed in the, in the beginning of 2021. Um, 
And so, and then aside from that as well, it's it's also had you know plenty of other issues as well, not only in the investment bank but in the wealth business. And you know, UBS will. I mean, it's worked very hard uh, since the financial crisis to you know. Uh, rationalize itself and get itself into a position where it's kind of trusted by investors. It was well functioning. It was returning capital. You know, it 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 still had some issues as well itself. But you know, it will be working very hard to kind of to ensure that it only picks the very best people with the best motivations from Credit Suisse uh, and doesn't pollute its own culture. Only about thirty seconds left here, Paul. Why not Ralph Hammers? Was there a loss of confidence for him at UBS? I think the thing with Ralph is that he, it was always, you know, something of a concern that he didn't really have the uh, experience of running a large investment bank anyway. You know, running a large investment bank integration is another layer of difficulty on top of that. Um, and I think also just in terms of, as I say, keeping the Swiss authorities and, you know, this deal has been very unpopular in, in Switzerland as well among people, keeping those people happy. You need somebody who can be very convincing to the Swiss people who can kind of talk their language, as it were, and who has this kind of more polished and statesmanlike kind of presentation and presence, mm-hmm. which Sergio definitely has. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.